0: One thing I've learned a while ago is how short life really is. And for us, we live something like 5,000 weeks in life. The question I ask myself almost every day is, how do I want to spend the minutes that I have here on earth? But the thing is, you bring smart, talented, some of the best people in the world together. And they make change. They can make things happen. Mm. And you have to have trust in yourself and your own ability to solve problems and your team's ability to do that. If you can do that, you can change the world.
1: What is up, our fellow Legacy Warriors? We, at times, may feel like we can't make a change. There might be some of you that feel as if What's the reason for even trying to create change? Because a lot of times resistance pops up or life shows up and it will test our will to really see if we're truly about what we're speaking on, about what we're sharing with others. And it's a test to see if you're truly about what you're talking about. In this episode, we have the great pleasure of interviewing and having a great conversation with Mike Kading, CEO of Norhart. And it's one of those powerful pieces when you have a conversation and you speak with somebody that is passionate to make a huge change, to inspire others to go make the change that they want to see to create that legacy that they're building. And so hopefully Mike gives you different nuggets that you can take to go create that legacy that you want. Within the episode, a couple of things that we talk about is creating impact and by creating impact How can we impact others? Which is a huge thing. And then the power of a properly built culture. And think about that. If you don't have a properly built culture and the culture isn't there, you're losing out. And so you have the chance to create that culture that you want to see. It's up to you to make that change and to steer in that direction that you want to go. Enjoy the episode and we'll catch you later our Legacy Warriors. What is up, Legacy Warriors? Coming in with another episode of Legacy Day with two NATO sons, Scott Brandt. Patrick Murakami, and
2: today we are here with our guest, Mike Kading. Scott, do you want to make this <laughs> intro? Because you do such a good job of edifying.
1: I think it's a, a unique approach because the conversations that we have, have the conversation okay. with individuals that are trying to do something different, trying to make a change. And I find it unique, Mike, for what you're trying to do, because when I think about apartment living and that type of situation, I'm like, I don't know if there's really a way to make a change to really create a legacy on what you can do, because everybody's like apartment living, like, okay, it's cool. But when you think about it, Mike, with having that approach of trying to change the industry, so the big approach for you, just trying to make a a change in general, Um, what does it mean to you in regards to really being able to put your fingerprints on creating a massive change that needs to happen? And in an industry that maybe a lot of us assume that we can't do it. So what does that mean to you when you think about putting fingerprints on something that a lot of people assume can't make a change in it?
0: What a great question. Well, first, thanks for having me here. I'm super excited to be on your podcast. One thing I've I learned a while ago is how short life really is. And mm-hmm. for us, we live something like 5,000 weeks in life. And The question I ask myself almost every day is, how do I want to spend the minutes that I have here on earth? And for me, I have always wanted to make some kind of meaningful, positive impact on the world. That's why I'm here. I could honestly, I could care less about money. I could care less about fame or what have you. I I care about how we can positively impact others because that's the legacy that you ultimately leave here from life. And so uh, the way we look at it is we're driving down the cost of housing and uh, we're already achieving 20 to 30% reduction there. We hope to get to 50%. But imagine what that means someday. That means someday your rent could be half. Your mortgage mm. payment could be half. And when you look at societal issues, that's one of the biggest issues we have today is the fact that our cost of housing is a huge part of our overall expenses, and it's rising faster than salaries. And so I think that's the kind of impact that we're going to have uh, on our nation and hopefully the world within our lifetime.
2: Mm. <laughs> having a background in insurance looking at the way the housing market has increased significantly in the last couple of years. But really, in the last year and a half, we have seen such a huge increase with corporations buying up housing. You know, we've got BlackRock promoting that, you know, you'll own nothing to these younger generations and all those things. So with what you do and the legacy that you're building, how do you combat those things that are happening right now?
0: You know, it's, At the end of the day, what drives down the cost of housing is by driving down the cost of construction, Mm -hmm. right? It's a supply and demand issue. (laughs) There's not enough supply for the amount of demand that's out there. And so these institutions see that and say, okay, let's jump in there. We can make a lot of money, a lot of profit by jumping in and doing this, which is great. I respect them for that, but it doesn't help the end consumer. And so the way you help the end consumer is by providing enough supply to the market that supply outstrips demand and so you can only do that effectively if you can drive down the cost of construction and for us that's been our big heart we're already about 20 to 30 percent less but we think we can achieve 50 percent or even more if you look at industries like manufacturing over the past 60 years they've improved productivity by 760 percent look at agriculture it's improved 1500 (laughs) percent you guys have a guess of what construction has done over the past 60 years nothing nope. well 10 i'm gonna give them credit where credit's due but it's terrible <laughs> wow, that but is really, terrible. horrible so the <laughs> simple approach is just take the lessons learned from manufacturing and apply them in to construction now it's a lot harder to do in practice but that's the essence of what we're working to do
1: hmm. well and i think the the starting points for yourself mike were you ever exposed or did you ever have a drive to get in as an entrepreneur? Because reading the bio, your dad passed away suddenly and from what it seems like. It was unexpected. And so stepping into what the family was running, did you have that drive to get into being an entrepreneur or kind of the loss of your dad was that a driving force really to get into what you're doing now. What led to where you're at now and what you're trying to create and the legacy that you're wanting to leave behind.
0: You know, I, I think there might be a, something a little screwed up in my mind in the sense that like I was born with this like innate just wanting to make a big impact, right? Wanting to positively impact in the world. That's like how I'm hardwired to my core, and so uh, even as a young kid, there was things that we were doing that were already kind of changing the little spheres and the worlds that I was in. But, uh, but you're right. This, this was a family business. My parents started it uh, very small at the time, and uh, I lived it with them. We, I remember days, our family outing was to the local hardware store, half an hour drive. We would fill up eight different carts and then bring them to our my dad's little trailer, pile this trailer, fly to the sky, and drive down the road, kind of in this crazy manner, <laughs> uh, to help them build these small buildings that we were building at the time. And so eventually I went off to college. And uh I was I, you know, my degrees in computer science, mathematics and management, and a few other things. And I knew I wanted to make an impact in the world somehow, but I didn't know how. And my dad really wanted me to join the business. But here's the thing is I didn't want to join originally because I don't want people to think it was given to me. Right. Mm. I wanted to make some kind of impact, but I didn't want, you know, people look down on on the way I got there. And eventually I had to work past my own ego on that and realize, hey, I can take this small business, take what's given to me in life and do something impactful with that. And so that's what we did. Uh, My dad and I were together. Uh, It was a lot of fun, Uh, but not long after I started, my dad passed away. Mm. And that was that was really tough. And in some ways, like I didn't know what I was doing. But looking back at it, honestly, I think that was sort of the magic Mm. because we could start questioning everything because I didn't know the right way to do things. Right. (laughs) And I didn't have someone to come back and tell me, stop doing what you're doing. And so that is what started this like ball rolling on trying to do something different in an industry that's been stagnant for 60 years.
2: Mm. And I love that. (laughs) Um, You know, there's something to be said about forging your own path right Mm. and we live in this day and age where i feel like it's harder and harder and it's very rare to maybe find something that hasn't been at least talked about right Right. um but you know when you find people who turn around and say you know what this deserves change this needs change people need to change and it just takes one person mm-hmm. to dare themselves, right? To be able to go yeah. in. And even if it's the same process, but utilizing a different twist on there, or maybe coming up with a, a different solution, that's what inspires change. And, and what's so crazy is that people are so afraid of change and yes. people are so afraid to dare to do something differently or come to the same solution with a different process. And everybody all of a sudden, oh, you can't do it that way. Oh, no, that's not okay. That's not how we do it. So, uh, I, already, man, um, I'd love to hear how you're coming full force with everything. I think that's something to be said. And, you know, I, I feel like that you're probably too humble to probably say it, but it's almost kind of like you take on this challenge. Cause I, I do the same thing when people say you can't do it that way. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, Hey, hold my beer. Right. <laughs> So, no, that kudos to you, man. That's so cool. It's so exciting to know that people like you are out there, that people are uh, are taking this and saying, "You know what? ten percent is not nearly enough.
0: It's so true, too. You mentioned that fear of change. I think this industry is full of people in that kind of sphere. There's mm-hmm. I've done it this way for sixty years. Don't tell me how to do my job." and like there it's a it's a lot of work to to change that perspective and be willing to take some of those big bets. You know, even this past year, we jumped into precast concrete manufacturing, as well as wall panel manufacturing. And those things a year ago were terrifying, right? Even to me, like, we don't know what we're doing. We got to figure this out. But the thing is, you bring smart, talented, some of the best people in the world together, and they make change. They can make things happen. Hmm. And you have to have trust in yourself and your own ability to solve problems and your team's ability to do that. If you can do that, you can change the world.
1: No, I think that's a huge point is finding (laughs) and building your team with individuals that exceed what you're doing, that bring a zone of genius that maybe you're not strong in and having them really focus on that zone of genius. So that way you can focus on your zone of genius to enhance what you're able to do. And I think that's a huge thing. Being mindful of that, I think as an owner of a business is much needed, but a lot of business owners, as they're going through building what they're building, have that fear factor of letting go because a lot of people build a business from scratch and they're like, it's my baby. So I can't give up control of X, Y, Z, but in the long run, they end up hurting themselves because they are focusing on stuff that they're not strong in. And instead of giving that up and building the team properly, they want to take everything on and hold it tight. And then they end up strangling their business where no growth happens, or it's a very slow stagnant piece. And then you potentially have the death of the business because it didn't do what you wanted to. And I know that was one thing that you highlighted when we had the pre-call was the culture piece. Oh, yeah. And so when you're building your business That culture that you want to build, what does that look like? And then how do you go about to enhance or make sure that the culture doesn't get stagnant and that you are progressing forward and making the impact that you want to make?
0: Yes, you're tapping on probably the single most important business lesson that I've ever learned. And that is fight to find the best of the best of the best people. You know, a lot of people think that the best people outperform average people by, you know, maybe 10 or 15, 20% or something, but no, that's not true. And I've seen this over and over again, the best people outperform average by two, three, five, even 10 times as much. Mm -hmm. And like, people are scared of paying top dollar for those top people. But guess what? they're the most inexpensive people you can hire when you think of it compared to what they are producing. And so we fight incredibly hard to find the world-class level people. Uh, We will fly people into work every single week. We have employees in a bunch of states all across the world, actually. But here in the United States, we fly people in from different states, from like Florida to Minnesota, for example, uh, to work on site and then fly home Mm-hmm. Uh, at the, on the weekend because they're the best in the world at their little niche of what they do. Uh-huh. And that is a game changer. When you think about culture, uh, the most important thing to get right is the people. Because people often join a company because of the reputation or the, the view they have of the company, but they leave an organization or how they feel about the organization is how they feel about their coworkers and their direct manager. Mm-hmm. It's so important to get that dynamic right. You need people that are pushing you to the next level that are edifying you that are uh, sharpening you to be better and when you're in that kind of environment and you're an a player being challenged by a other a players it's exciting mm-hmm. what can happen is you build up a team and then you have a couple a players couple b players and a c player and you keep around the c player you may eventually fire them but you have these b players they're like ah, oh, they're not bad enough to fire the a players start getting upset They may not mention it, but they start thinking, well, is this other company where I can go work with all A players that are changing the world? I want to go there. And so the culture first starts with finding the right people, being very active about letting the wrong people go. And then there's stuff you can do beyond that. But to give you some sense of the energy we put into letting the wrong people go, uh, we have this notion, we actually stole it from Netflix, but average performance gets a generous severance. So we were very supportive of people on the way out. But we use the keeper test from Netflix, which is if a particular employee were to quit, how hard would a manager fight to keep them? If mm-hmm. the answer is, I would fight tooth and nail, I would put all my energy into making sure I keep this person, great, they're the right person. If mm-hmm. it's anything shy of that, then they're not the right person. You know, many companies think they don't want the bad ones. Now, we agree. And many companies say that they want the best ones. Again, we agree. Where we disagree is most companies say that they're okay with the average. And I say that's wrong. Mm. We don't even want the average people. We want only the best. So that gives you some flavor, but there's a lot more to it than just that.
2: That's that's incredible. But I mean, it makes sense though, right? I mean, because if your reputation, if the things that you're doing, you want to impact change, you're not going to do that with the stagnancy, right? And you've talked about yeah. that already. So to be able to cultivate change, you have to have people who already know how to cultivate and enhance that and take that to the next level i love that that's a huge concept i think that probably most businesses are missing out on exactly because they're just worried about either bottom dollar they're worried about just the front liners yeah. just to be able to take on just enough so that way they don't have to get involved so that's huge and uh already like i'm, I'm this is a, a great episode just from that one piece alone man so thank you so much for sharing that Now, do you often see because you are taking the best of the best and talking about those B and C players that you also kind of see them maybe rise to become maybe B and A players because they're surrounded around that culture and and around by these guys. So you kind of maybe see a different type of hunger than maybe somebody who would go and maybe be a C player in, in a different company.
0: You know, it really depends on the individual person, but I would say on average, you can take a B player to a B plus or maybe A minus. Mm. It's really hard to take a B player to a true A player. Now, what we measure, one thing we talk about is we're we're looking for people who want to be best in the world at what they mm. do. That's literally the bar. Mm. That doesn't mean you to be best in the world of what you're at today. So are you on that journey? Are you passionate and driven? To gain the knowledge and experience and what you need to do to be best in the world, if you are, that's great. So in that regard, in skill set, yeah, people can go from C to B to A, but that energy, that oomph, to want to be the best in the world to begin with, that's really hard to build into somebody. They either got that or they don't. If they don't, sure. there's many great places to go work. It's just not our company.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's a a unique thing, though, too, because the way society has driven a lot of standing out and really having that drive to be the best of the best, a lot of times people will go share that or share ideas, do whatever they need to, and then they get brought down. So they're in uh, the crabs in a bucket mentality where everybody else around them is like, nope, you're not going to do that. Let me pull you down. So I think that's a unique thing because society has been built up and where we're at, that's hard to find because people have this fear factor of if I say this, other people are going to judge me. But for us, we tell people, you've got to cut out that judge, which is hard because mm-hmm. that's a safety net for a lot of us is if I do this, I'm going to get kicked out of the tribe, which back in caveman time, yeah, that was dangerous for you because without the group, you might get killed off. But in today's day and age, If you get kicked out of the tribe in the group because they feel that you're bragging or whatever they want to label it as because of their own fear, people miss out. And so I think by giving that culture where we're looking for the best of the best and we want to hear what that is for you is huge because you're lighting a fire and you're tapping into that drive that a lot of people have and want to showcase but they don't have the outlet because society in general is driving that down and say, you can't show this.
0: And you tap on something really important there because ultimately whenever we start off doing something, we are terrible at it, Hmm. right? That's just the way it is. Yes. And the difference between some of the people that really change the world and the ones that don't get comfortable knowing that they're terrible to start off, right? We're creating our own podcast right now. We're going like, like four or five iterations before launching it. But the first version of it was terrible. And we're okay with that. We're getting lots of feedback. And we're a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. You know, one thing, Google did a study to compare the teams at Google that were the very, very best to those that were just average. And at Google, average is still pretty amazing. (laughs) But they found a number of factors. But the number one most important factor they found was psychological safety. That's sort of how safe or comfortable you feel at bringing up those new ideas or experiences or trying something new. And just to your point, like we are hardwired to feel accepted, right? We're hardwired not to feel ignorant or incompetent. And so we do things that are ineffective as a result, like not ask questions or not push back or not challenge the status quo. But the reality is the best teams, the ones that change the world, they need to tap into the brain power of every single person of that group. And if only one or two people are really sharing the ideas and really giving feedback, you only have one or two people. So, yeah, you know, we talk about that a lot as a company, but we want to be creating the environment that everyone feels comfortable sharing and knowing it's okay to fail because we don't fire people for failing. We fire people for not lining up to our values.
1: That's one of those points, too, that I think it's either Google or Apple they have a target set where they want a 40% failure rate because yeah. by having that out in the open, people have that safety net of, Hey, it's okay if we fail because their target is 40%. And I was reading it and I think it was the mind of the extraordinary man by the uh, Lakiani. He had highlighted that. And so they talked about the fact that because they had a 40% failure rate, that opened up the communication channel for people to really give out the ideas and go Mm. and try and test them because they gave permission to say, yes, we're going to fail. We already have this here. And like you had highlighted the aspect of failure is a good thing. But if you're not speaking up, then we can't go and progress as a company.
0: Exactly, And the most dangerous point of any idea is that initial spark. Because people are always a little fearful, like, will people have a negative view on this idea or this concept or where I'm headed? And like, as humans, we should get past that. Because the more we get past that, the more you can positively impact the world.
2: 100%. Golden nugget. (laughs) There's a mic drop right there for sure. I love this conversation because oftentimes it's always just a conversation can quickly turn into look what we've done, look what we're Mm -hmm. doing, the reason why we're here. But I love it's the culture piece that you're highlighting. It's the little intricacies and the differences really that honestly, you know, are inspiring change, right? I uh, One of the things that we've talked about because in our business world, it's very competitive, but I share plans all the time. I share, I give away what we've done all the time to people. And because I know that they will not... Maybe implement it, right? Because they don't have a passion for it. But the ones that do, you see them grow and strive because it's not just, it's not like I'm giving them a blueprint. I'm, I'm just telling them what I've done. But what it does is it inspires them to basically look at other ways to be able to make change or maybe they take something and put their twist on it. And mm-hmm. so being able to share that and to work with our competition has been so good for us because we get to learn about what other people in our industry are doing. And so I love these com- these types of conversations, because how often do you really get a chance to kind of learn about what maybe somebody else in your field is doing? And again, if it's something that's going to be good for your consumer, it's good for the entire, uh, you know, for the consumers. It, it also forces change for maybe those who are stagnant. Now they have to learn to adapt. And maybe they have to force change um, in there as well. Well, tell us a little bit about really like, uh, you know, I know, we, we know about the culture of the business, but what exactly are you guys doing in as part of your business to help reduce those costs, to help um, mm-hmm. you know inspire these changes and, and shift these numbers?
0: So at a high level, the really simple way to think about it is apply, apply what's been learned in manufacturing and other industries to construction. So what does that actually look like? One of the first things we did was we looked at the fact that construction is broken into many different companies. Mm. And so your owner is different than your developer, who's different than your general contractor, coordinating construction, who's a different company than your subcontractors, your plumbers, your electricians, your HVAC companies. And so what happens then is that machine, the energy never quite gels the way it could. Uh, imagine if uh, a construction company were to build cars at maybe a Toyota's plant, for example. And they would come in and one company would install the windshield. Another company would install the doors. Another one would install the windows. But of course, the, the door company, uh, they were behind on one of their other projects, another so a week delayed. They won't get out there for another week. <laughs> so your whole line shut down for a week. Then when mm-hmm. they do get out there, they look at it and say, what? I only get to work on one car at a time? This is insanity. We mm-hmm. want a hundred cars to work on all at once. So what the subcontractors want aren't, isn't necessarily aligned with what efficient manufacturing processes are. So that's one thing was bring it all in-house. Once it's all in-house, we can start doing some interesting things. In manufacturing, one powerful concept is the assembly line. A product moves down a line that you're doing work on. Well, can we apply that to construction? Yes. And the way we do it instead of the product moving down the line, we move people through the building. So mm. we take a building and we break it into smaller chunks, we call batches, typically the size of a unit. And we move people every five hours, they move to the next unit mm. all through the building. So at Toyota, they produce a car every 55 seconds. We're not producing a unit every five hours. And we think we could get that much lower overall it takes a project that may have been 15 months down to nine months and so those are some of the techniques that we're using
2: very cool man just makes you wonder right because um and again this is something where again general construction typically says oh we've got this we're going to go ahead and do this i'm going to bring in the sub for these guys and and they'll do this portion but like you said you know who, who knows how long it'll take and then they go maybe they have five or six but then each one is just kind of doing one at a time until it's complete to be able to move to the next one. So this fast forwards that. Um, and again, by having that in-house, knowing that everybody's kind of there, and then you're bringing these people from all over the world to come in and do all these things. It expedites that time quite a bit.
0: Absolutely. And, and when you see too is when you build the right culture, now you have a spirit of cooperation in, uh, in construction, stereotypically, and this is pretty often the case, the culture is actually very I would say toxic that maybe is too strong of a word, Hmm. but it's this rough and tumble kind of man eats man kind of world out there. There's swearing and yelling at each other and what have you. I've had cases where one contractor will rip out out of the wall. What another contractor did because they didn't like the way it was done or what have you. It's, It's that kind of energy that comes out there. And so bringing it all under one roof with the same culture and the spirit and the positivity that we look for, now instead of that fighting you have support so if the trade ahead of you is actually behind what we see now is our team says you know i was a plumber but you know i can come help run some wire for a little bit to help you guys get caught up it's Mm -hmm. that kind of spirit energy and it changes the game
1: that's awesome no i think it's one of those things really to bring in (laughs) create that cohesive unit because with the, the cohesiveness and the unity, that drives the progression and to be able to do bigger things because every little piece there is a boat. And then like the saying goes, rising tides lifts all shifts. Exactly. So it's the same thing here is creating that unity. And that's a major responsibility for a business owner to create that piece. But it can be tough because... We're having to take the time to learn about every little intricacy potentially. And because of that time factor, we kind of throw that to the side and we're like, no, we won't worry about that. We kind of throw everything under one roof and then we're going to go and control, not really control, but drive everything the same way, which doesn't create the efficiency piece, which is a crazy thing. But that's also the fact that as business owners things change. And so to stay uh, consistent and afloat, you've got to be adapted to the change. But a lot of people don't want to adapt to change because it's scary and you have to adjust doing what you used to do and understand that the only consistent in life is change. (laughs) But we want to fight back against that because it's a scary factor.
0: Yeah, I love that.
2: Mike, how are you guys able to, um, so obviously we know cutting down time and we know that's going to cut down uh, cost tremendously, but uh, are you guys able to cut down on cost of resources and and things like that as well? And if so, what does that process look like?
0: Yeah, so for materials, it's been really interesting, especially the last couple of years (laughs) with COVID and supply chain headaches and what have you. What we find in construction materials is it's sort of a good old boys club. Mm-hmm. You have your supplier and they work with the distributor who works with the manufacturer and they, they're okay with their network. They're happy. They don't want to anger any of their current suppliers. Mm-hmm. And so there's a profit margin taking each one of those steps. They were like, why do we have that? Like we're at a scale now. Like let's just drive up in our truck. We'll pick up the supplies directly from the manufacturer and we'll we'll be on our way. But uh, there's hesitation there. So that's been one interesting challenge as we've been slowly breaking through that where we've had actually quite a bit of success though. So the American market, they've been hesitant. So we went then to Chinese market, the Mexican market, where they come with open arms. Like, what, you want to buy a bunch of product? We got it for you, right? (laughs) Which has been fantastic. It's helped us drive down our material costs quite substantially. Uh, With that though, there are headaches. For example, I don't remember which country it was, but we purchased cabinets out of uh, an Asian country. And right now, America says... there's a big fee for buying cabinets from China well it's sort of a you are wrong until you prove yourself innocent kind of model and so they ended up putting on one container load that was like fifty thousand dollar cost to us they put a two hundred thousand dollar fee on it mm. like we didn't buy these from China like we got video from the the place that we bought them from we had all this evidence and they're like no nope yeah, you know, bring it to court. we'll we'll talk over the next two years and then you can prove yourself right. So it's it's there's really interesting challenges to all of it, but it's at the end of the day, as a company, we have 10,000 problems. It's just having the people and the capability to solve the problems as fast as they come in. And so same thing with supply chain and stuff, just having good people that solve those problems and it can have a meaningful impact. But we're seeing quite a reduction in costs as a result of those energy.
1: Well, and then when you think about the impact that you're able to create, have you had the chance to talk to, I guess, the competition within your industry? Have you been able to sit down and have an open discussion with others to help them potentially see a different perspective to potentially take something that they can implement to create change, the necessary change, or has that been something maybe that hasn't taken place yet? Or is that something that you have for a future planning piece to really make the impact that based on what you're saying is making an impact in other people's lives. Where is that for you at this point?
0: That's a great question. You know, um, there are two strategies to reaching the kind of impact we want. Yeah, one is bringing other developers and people to get up to kind of what we're accomplishing, and I think that's definitely a key viable part of this. Another part of it is like we're building out the infrastructure in a way that can scale to make the impact even if others don't follow us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have had conversations with different developers over time, and what again, this is stereotypical, but it tend to be very ego-driven. I know the answer kind of people. Right. And they're very <laughs> unwilling to have a discussion or maybe mm. they look down at me and like you're just a pipsqueak, like, get <laughs> out of here. I, I, I don't know why that dynamic exists, but it does, <coughs> at least the people we've talked to. The second part of it is the ideas are the easy part. What's really, really hard is execution. I think Elon Musk talks about building a car is hard. One car. Building the system that builds the cars is 10 to 100 times harder Mm -hmm. it's so true here it's hard to build a building it's so much harder to build the system that builds the buildings
2: so i guess uh initial thoughts come to mind is are existing builders maybe the right niche for this or is this maybe something where you find somebody who's like you know what i've always dreamed of being able to do that i just maybe didn't learn the traditional methods, or I didn't get maybe the right upbringing to have those skill sets. So could maybe this new wave or the system be approaching maybe new potential builders or people who are interested in that type of realm versus maybe people who've been traditionally doing it for a long period of time?
0: Yeah, I think anyone with an open mind can apply it. It takes an, an open mind and a really good problem solving capability. And then a, a high propensity for learning, right? Yes. Reading a lot, <laughs> learning a lot, watching a lot of podcasts like this, right? If you have all of that, you can, it doesn't matter if it's construction or any other industry, you can change that space. Sure. You know, when we think about staff members, what's really interesting is we really hard to hire people with experience, but so often we don't hire the people with experience, not because we don't want them, because they don't have the right values, they don't have the right way of thinking so in that regard like if you're looking for a job and you don't have experience in this industry like you're almost the better fit because if you got the right spirit and energy you'd be a better fit for that industry yes and they don't have
2: the bad habits maybe that have been formed yeah. and things like that and it's a fresh canvas absolutely
1: yeah i'm excited to really see the disruption take full force to the whole country because <laughs> it needs to happen yeah yeah 100%. so are you guys
2: i mean does it even matter a lot of the market trends for you guys because of what you're doing? Are you strategically, um, you know, trying to target into maybe these faster growing cities, things like that? I mean, what is kind of some of that insider? How does that help you guys? Know?
0: Yeah. So right now we're primarily in Minnesota, but we're expanding to Texas and, Two reasons for Texas. One is it's a fast growing area. But secondly, there's a lot of room for growth in a way that we don't need to expand geographically uh, for a number of years. We could build a lot of infrastructure right there. Um so, but one of the things that's really beneficial about our model is since our costs are already 20 to 30 percent less, like our latest building is a hundred million dollar valuation for a building. Our costs are like 68 million on that building. Wow banks are typically willing to lend at about 75%, which means that they would provide 75 million. And so we're actually typically generating cash with each building, which is pretty unheard of in this space. What we're seeing recently is that interest rates are rising and banks are becoming more skittish. And so that $75 million loan might now be 55 million because of the, the way the market's at. But what's nice is because our margins aren't razor thin and we got a wide margin there, we can take a lot of pain where other developers may not be able to take that. They might have a 5 or 10% margin, but at some point they have to stop or we don't have to stop because of that mm-hmm. spread. And so we're a little bit more insulated in the market than most, but we still have impacts.
1: That's nice. very cool. I love that, man. No, I think that's a huge thing to see, to hear that and really have the capability that instead of being impacted, you still have the ability to get things done. Um, it may be pivot points and whatnot, but it's not a huge stopping point, um, which is a huge thing. And so being able to have that little room, have the, the pivot capability is a huge thing. And it just allows you to to function and flourish as a business. So I think that's a huge aspect in regards to having that that flexibility.
0: Yeah, it is. it's great.
2: And I think that'd be a
1: great stat to be able to post uh,
2: to boost for your business as well, to highlight, Hey, you know, from beginning to end we have this uh, percentage for completion rate because most companies, like you said, a lot of them have to stop Mm -hmm. because of funding. Um, You know uh, so how many buildings get left there and somebody has to come pick up the pieces later. Right. Uh, But also how much money is lost for the consumer as well. So to be able to have that to be able to say, Hey, we have, x percentage uh completion rate for all of our our clients um, i think is going to be a huge game changer that uh, a lot of companies probably don't have uh or or highlight at this point in time but i think being able to do that that's going to then turn around and say you know what i'm i'm gonna go with these guys because they get they get it done
0: yeah i love it
1: there's a bunch of different nuggets in here that people can extract Even with you being in the construction industry, the housing industry, with apartment living, there's still stuff that people can take away from and implement to improve what they're doing as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, Uh, which is a phenomenal thing that the conversations that we have, it's not limited to just industry specific. It really is, hey, here's some nuggets that if you take the time and do the deep dive, what can I implement? What can I do different? And that's the thing I love about this is it's not allowing us to box anybody in. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does really allow us to extract and have people have the conversation and share what they've done. And that can be the missing piece that somebody is missing that they can pick up and implement and really create the change or create the forward momentum that they want to produce for themselves. So, Mike, I appreciate everything that you shared here. Um, the wisdom and just the the different strategies that you have in place and the different things that you're bringing to the forefront. So I, I appreciate that.
2: Awesome. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's quite a few things that I'm going to be able to take a look at and kind of do an inflection here of, of, you know, my business, my team as well. Um, Mike, one of the things that we love about our podcast is, you know, oftentimes for me, for Scott, a big portion of what we've done, to get to where we're at is using the power of gratitude. Mm. And so, um, and again, maybe these are people you've thanked publicly. Maybe it's somebody you recently that you haven't had a chance to maybe thank. And, but is there anybody at this point in time that comes to, uh, the forefront of your mind of maybe somebody that you would like to basically just kind of acknowledge, um, You know whether it's a recent uh, interaction or something that maybe has just been on your heart, or just people in general that uh, you know maybe you always think uh, no wrong answer here, but we just we just always like to be able to provide that opportunity.
0: Oh, I love that! You know, there are so many people at our company that I would love to point out. I think we'd be here for quite a while (laughs) Uh, because they are they're world class level people, and the fact that. They're choosing to work with me and choosing to work with what we're doing. I like pinch myself every day to be like, "Wow, thank you for being here." But if if you want me to narrow it down just to one person, um, you know, I th- think more than anyone else, he's no longer with me or with us. But my father had a really big impact on my life, and so I'm so thankful for the the work ethic and drive that he instilled in me to help make me who I am today. I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him.
2: I love that you're able to not only continue the vision that your father had, but expand it. You know, I think that's always kind of the goal for us as parents, right, is that you 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 always want your kids to have better than what you had. But, you know, and again, I'm sure that he would have been proud no matter what you did. But to be able to know that, you know what, his legacy gets to continue through you, um but it's you're also in your own outright building your own legacy uh inspiring change and all those things you know to me it's just a beautiful thing especially as a father you know uh, trying to instill some of these things in in my sense Uh, at seven years old you know he's a business owner and trying to teach him all these uh skill sets but you know i think that's it's such a cool thing to be able to see your kids flourish and to be able to you know something that you know anytime they develop a passion for something a lot of times it doesn't align with the parent but they do it because of support, but to be able to kind of see again. And again, I'm sure there was, like you said, there's resistance because you want to build your own thing, but to have it kind of aligned to go with that, you know, it's such a, a really cool story uh, and a continuation of the legacy. So thank you so much for sharing that. What are the, some of the best ways that, uh, you know, people can continue to really follow the story of what you guys are doing? How can they connect with you? How can they continue to follow the path and journey um, and all those things?
0: Yeah, we have a few interesting things going on. But the first is just to visit our website, norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H-A-R-T dot com. But there you can see one thing we're doing is working on a new podcast. The idea, the name of it is called Becoming a Unicorn. And the idea Mm is is looking at small companies as they grow to billion dollar enterprises. We're taking Mm -hmm. kind of a deep dive into that. Uh, So if you want to learn more, uh, I can visit that page. Another thing we're doing is our Norhart Invest platform. Uh, What we're doing here is we're basically eliminating the bank and creating an environment where investors can invest directly into real estate, retail investors, because most real estate is limited to accredited investors and you just don't have access to it. And so we're opening (laughs) this up uh, where people can put money into an account, earn a rate of return on that, And uh, very excited about it because ultimately you're earning your interest, but you're also earning the profit that the bank would have gotten. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a win-win for all of us. Nice.
1: I think that's a, a huge thing really to open up the door for people to be able to invest, especially if they see the vision and this really resonates with them that does open up the door for them to get into the real estate market to have a chance to get a little piece of that pie with the investment piece. And we'll put the put it in the show notes so that way people yeah. can go check out the website. And then uh, we'd love to know once the podcast is released. So we, that way we can go check it out and share it with the audience but when it comes to the investment piece and giving that to uh your uh, customers clients and whatnot is that where it's investing into the properties getting built and finished up and then once they're done and they're complete does the funds that they've invested get returned to them with the interest or once the properties are up and running They can still hold the money in there and then they're still receiving the the distributions off of their investment once people are in the property living there. How does that work in regards to the investment piece?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And so the reality is in the long term, we'll have a lot of different options. Right now, the first option that will be launched will feel a little bit like a bank account. It's not actually a bank account. But you can put money in, earn a rate of return, and take money out. Or hmm. you can put money in and lock it for maybe 3, six, nine, 12 months and earn a higher rate of return. Now, it's not FDIC-insured. It's not an actual bank account. And so the rate of return is much higher than you would get at a bank. Hmm. Um, but for the right people that is a could be an attractive investment what's happening under the hood is it's essentially a fund it's a fund that's investing in the real estate deals that we're doing internally now eventually i could imagine this platform extending to feel more like traditional real estate investments where you're actually holding equity ownership in specific buildings but at least initially it's more like the accounts
2: that's awesome i love that um because, again, you're reducing cost, right? You're taking out um, where a big portion of the cost is, is through the banks yeah. um, and yeah. giving uh, an option for people who are part of the company and people who are inside the company banking on yourselves, uh, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I think that's a really, really unique, but a really cool option to have. And I think that that also makes a big statement, right? It says, you know, we are going to, uh, we know where we're going and you come with us, right? And so that's a, it's an amazing thing that you guys are doing. Uh, honestly, Mike, this has been such a great experience to have you on here. We're so thankful. I, I feel like that we we would just want to come out and just kind of learn more from what you guys are doing and just hang out with you and, and shadow you your business for a week just to be able to learn more because I feel like that there's so many more concepts Well, you're
0: welcome to come out if you're ever in
2: Minnesota. Yeah, uh, we will definitely take you up on that for sure. Um, But no, this has been such a really uh, enlightening experience. I'm so excited for what you guys are doing um, and that the disruption piece. That's always exciting to know that somebody is willing to take a stand and say, you know what, enough is enough. So you have our uh, support 100%. And if there's anything that we can do, any connections that we can make, please don't hesitate uh, because this is something that needs to happen. And uh, we're excited that people like you are out there in the world making that disruption.
0: I love it. Thank you guys so much. It's been such a pleasure being on.
1: Well, fellow uh, Legacy Warriors, enjoy the episode. Extract the nuggets. Like I said, there's plenty here. So find one or two things that you can implement and really drive you forward to create the legacy that you want to create, that impact that you want to create. We'll catch you later.